Welcome to The Apple Seed, where we bring you and your family great stories from great storytellers. On today's episode, we'll bring you a pinch of laziness. Because after that, what do you think young Sam did? Nothing. <laughs> he gave all the work to the new hand. And plenty of misunderstanding. He may have given up what he wanted to do with his life, but I'm not. I'm never going to be like him. I'm your host, Sam Payne, and today we share with you two stories that follow the pitfalls of growing up and the mistakes that can happen along the way. And, of course, what we learn from those mistakes, too. First up, we have Diane Ferlat, the wonderful storyteller from Oakland, California, who loves to tell tales old and new, tales with a rhythm all their own, a rhythm made easier to hear and appreciate with the musical help of Diane's longtime musical performing partner, Eric Pearson. You'll hear him here on the guitar. The story is called The Hired Hand, and it was recorded live in the Appleseed studio. Here's Diane Ferlat and Eric Pearson with The Hired Hand. Watch how I tell this story now. We down in Virginia there lived some people who were enslaved. Now in the same state of Virginia, there lived some free black people. Black people who were free to own their own land, own their own houses, even own their own businesses. And there was one old man, they called him Old Sam, had his own sawmill down by the river. And the reason why they called him Old Sam, because <laughs> he was old. But old Sam was a hard-working man. He would get up early in the morning, put a sun gun up, pop, get in his wagon. Come on, get up there, come on. Go out into the woods, cut all his wood down, load that wood in the wagon, bring that wagon in hot. Come on, get up there. Whoa there. Bring the wood into the sawmill, turn the saw on, and cut his wood. He's a hard-working man. Everybody liked old Sam. Well, now young Sam. That boy was nothing like his daddy. He wanted to get out of work. And when he did do work, did he do it right? No. Daddy, I'll cut the wood. Daddy, I got this, Daddy. He turned the saw on, began to cut the logs. Did he cut them straight? No. Cut them all ziggy-zaggy. Old Sam couldn't sell wood like that. Hmm. Young people don't understand. You just don't understand yet. I mean, old Sam had to redo all that work. Had to redo. You don't know what parents go through sometimes. And the neighbors, they just looked at that young man, young Sam, they thought, that boy, he gonna come to a bad end. A bad end. But one day, a man came walking up to the sawmill. He looked very, very poor, shoes barely on his feet, hair all messed up. He came right up to old Sam and he said, um, excuse me, sir, um, I want to I learn the sawmill business. And you teach me, I'll work for you one year and you won't have to pay me nothing. Old Sam said, nothing? 
You got yourself a job, boy. You got yourself a job. Well, that's all young Sam wanted to hear. Because after that, what do you think young Sam did? Nothing. <laughs> he gave all the work to the new hand. And all day, he telling the new hand, do this, do that, pick it up, put it down. All day, yelling at the new hand. And when somebody yells at you like this all day long, what do you think the new hand did? No, he didn't quit. He just said, talk to the hand. Because he wanted to learn the sawmill business. He stayed there. He was loading the wood, loading the wood. But one day, a farmer came up to the sawmill to pick up some wood he had ordered. Come on. Ah, whoa there. But who do you think loaded the wood up? Young Sam? No, the hired hand. He told him, load that wood and hurry up. Hired hand loaded the wood. And while he's loading the wood, he heard that farmer say, Oh, my back is killing me. I sure wish I was young and spry like you, young man. My back. And when the hired hand heard that, he thought, I could fix that farmer up real good. He said, oh, Sam, young Sam, why don't y'all go out in the woods and don't come back till I call you? Don't look back. Something bad will happen. Don't look back. I can fix this farm up real good. Well, old Sam, young Sam, they were curious in what he was going to do. So they went out into the woods. And they didn't look back. But you know young Sam, right? He came sneaking back. Because he wanted to see what that new hand was going to do. And he hid. And he watched. And the hired hand told a man to get down off the wagon. He did. He said, now go into the sawmill. He did. He said, now, just lay down here, right here, on the saw bed. The man said, huh? <laughs> just lay down on the saw bed. It'll be fine. Well, the man laid down on the saw bed. And then the hired hand picked up some sawdust from the floor and began to sprinkle it on that man's body. He said, sawdust, sawdust, do what you must. Turn this flesh and bone into wood so my saw cut. And don't draw blood. He turned into a solid piece of wood. All right. He turned the saw on. Took that piece of wood and cut it in half. Took those two pieces and cut it in half. Then took those four pieces of wood down to the river and put it in the water. And he said, yeah, water, water, do what you order. Wash all the misery from this wood and make what's cut whole again. Took the wood out of the water, put it together like a puzzle. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. And the man was whole again. He said, yeah, now. He got a splinter and he pricked his finger and he drew blood. He said, blood, blood. When I touch this feet, hands and head, you may come alive what's been dead. He touched the feet, the hands, and the head, and the man sat up. He went, whoa, hey, my back feels great. Oh, my back. And he stood up and he looked in the water. And I'm young too? I'm young too? He said, shh, 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 shh. Don't tell nobody how I done it. I won't tell. I, I, won't, tell I won't tell a soul. I won't tell a soul. I won't tell a soul. But then, 
Old Sam, Young Sam, come on back. They came running back. Young Sam came running like he didn't see anything, but he saw everything, right? And he saw, hey, old Sam said, he's young. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? Young Sam, uh-huh, how'd you do that? Nobody said a thing. And everybody was gone. Young Sam told the farmer, look here, farmer. That new hand, he works for me and my pa. You don't pay up. You ain't gonna be young no more. Farmer gave him all the gold he had. <laughs> well, it was getting wintertime, really cold. And old Sam said, son, I'm going off now. Check on my sister, make sure she's all right. You take care of the sawmill while I'm gone, you hear? Yeah. Was that a good idea, leaving young Sam in charge? No! He said, I'll take care of everything, Paul. Don't you worry about a thing. I'll take care of everything. And soon as his father was gone, what did young Sam do? Nothing. <laughs> Gave all the work to the new hand all day. Do this, do that. Hurry up, put it down, pick it up. And one day, the hired hand just dropped his load of wood and said, son, I don't have to put up with this kind of talk. You keep talking to me, me this way, and tomorrow, I'm gone. You want to go? Go. I don't care if you leave. You want to leave? Just leave. I don't care. Next morning, you look for the hired hand, and he was gone. Oh, no. Where did he go? What am I going to do? Pa's going to kill me. Who's going to do all this work? Not me. Oh, man. What am I going to do? And that day, hot, same farmer came up to the sawmill. Whoa there. He said, hey, young Sam, where's that new hand of yours? He fixed me up so good, <laughs> I brought my wife. I figured he could do something with her. I said, where's, where's that new hand? And young Sam said, uh, oh, oh, he left already. He, 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 he's gone. <laughs> but um, before he left, he told me what to do. And the farmer said, how I know you know what to do? Young Sam said, sawdust, water, blood. Well, I guess you do know what to do. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, why don't you just go out in the woods and don't look back. Something bad will happen. And don't come till I call you. Well, the farmer, he didn't trust young Sam. But he looked at his wife. She did need some help. So he went out into the woods. He didn't look back. Young Sam told the lady, Ma'am, can you get that off the wagon? And she did. Mm -hmm. He said, Now, ma'am, come into the sawmill. She did. Mm -hmm. Now, ma'am, just lay right down here on the saw bed. She went, <laughs> Just lay down on the saw bed. It'll be fine. Well, she laid down on the saw bed. And then young Sam said, Let's see her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He picked up some sawdust. He said, oh, man, how does it go? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sawdust, sawdust, do what you must. Turn this flesh and bone into wood so my saw cut and don't draw blood. She turned into a solid piece of wood. I knew I knew how to do it. I knew I knew how to do it. Then he turned that saw on. Took that wood and cut it in half. Took those two pieces and cut it in half. 
Then you take those four ziggy zaggy pieces down to the river and put it in the water. And he said, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Water, water, do what you oughta. Wash all the misery from this wood and make what's cut whole again. Yeah. Took those four ziggy zaggy pieces, put them down, tried to put them together like a puzzle. He went, yeah, come on. Yeah. Let's see, no. No, over here, no. Let's see. Oh, man. Let's see. Oh, oh, she was whole again. He went, yeah, I knew how I knew how to do it. Yeah, let's see. Just the thought of blood made him weak. Then he thought, sawdust is sawdust. Water is water. Blood is blood. It shouldn't matter what kind of blood you use. And there, hanging on a tree, was a dead possum. He ran over, got a little dab of that possum's blood. Yeah, this ought to do it. He said, now, blood, blood, do what you should. When I touch this feet, hands and head, you may come alive what's been dead. He touched the feet, hands, and head. He, he touched the, come on now, touched the feet, hands, and head. He touched the feet, hands, and head. Wake up, lady. Wake up, lady. Wake up. There was so much noise, the farmer came running. What did you do? I gave you my money and you killed my wife. What did you do? There was so much noise and so much commotion. The neighbors came running. And when they found out what young Sam had done, they took young Sam straight to the judge who tried him that very day. Courtroom was packed. And before the jury finished their sentence, guess who came in the front door running? Old Sam had heard the news. He dropped to his knees and he begged the judge, please, Your Honor, please have mercy on my boy. Please, he, he got a good heart, Your Honor. He has a good heart, please, Your Honor. And the judge looked over his glasses and he said, everybody knew this boy was going to come to a bad end. And I believe this is it. Young Sam, I sentence you to 25 years in jail. He said, young Sam, you got something to say for yourself? Yes, sir. Brothers and sisters, listen to what I have to say. Don't ever be lazy or greedy or wood-headed like I've been. Don't ever act bossy to people like I did to somebody in this very room. If I hadn't done that, I'd be going home instead of going to jail. He was looking in the back, and there stood the hired hand in the back of the courtroom. And when the hired hand heard that, he came walking up to the front of the courtroom. And he looked at young Sam. And he said, young Sam, are you really sorry for what you've done, son? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Please, sir, forgive me. 
Please forgive me. And the hired hand not only forgave him, but the hired hand told the judge, Your Honor, how are you going to put a man in jail for killing a woman who's standing right back there in the back of the courtroom? Everybody turned around, and there was the farmer with his wife, who was now... And the judge looked over his glasses and said, Well, reconsidering the evidence, I find not, I found young Sam not guilty. I mean, old Sam, young Sam, they hugged and cried, hugged and cried. And they looked around to think the high hand. But he was gone. But the next morning, young Sam, ha, got in the wagon. Come on. Brought that wagon out in the woods. Whoa there. He cut all that wood down, loaded the wagon, brought that wagon in. Come on. Come on, get up there. Whoa. Put the wood into the sawmill. Turned the saw on. I've been getting to cut those logs. Did he cut them zigzaggy? I don't think so. He cut them straight. And old Sam looked at his son and finally realized he finally had the son he'd always prayed for. Young folks, when you make mistakes, and you will, know this, never too late for a change. Sawdust, sawdust, do much what? Water, water, uh-huh. Do what you order. I said blood. Blood. Do what you should. Make come alive. What's been dead? That's the story of the hired hand. Storyteller Diane Ferlat with a story called The Hired Hand, accompanied by her longtime musical partner Eric Pearson on guitar. That's a story that's at least in part about laziness, and it reminds me of one of our family stories, the story of my little brother getting ready to go to college. He got a letter in the mail telling him he'd been awarded money for college. It was happy, happy news. And he read the letter to the rest of the family with some excitement. And then came the last line of the letter telling him where he needed to go on campus to sign for the award. It was about a 45-minute drive from our house. And reading that part of the letter, my brother muttered, Oh, well, maybe I won't go to college after all. We laughed and laughed at that. We still do when we remember it. My brother turned out just fine and has proven himself capable of far harder things than driving 45 minutes to sign for a cash award. But it's a funny family story, and it came to mind when I heard Diane's story. That's where it took me. Where will the story take you, and who will you take along? It's great to have you with us, and I want to introduce you to another show from the BYU Radio family of podcasts. The show is called In Good Faith, and in this podcast, Stephen Cat Perry, the host, in each episode talks with a different person about that person's faith tradition. 
these guests talk about their relationship with the divine that will strengthen your faith. And Steve is a great listener. It's a podcast that helps you celebrate the power of faith and belief, a podcast on which you'll hear stories and accounts from believers of all kinds told in their own words. You can listen to In Good Faith wherever you hear our show. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all kinds of places to listen to In Good Faith On Demand. It's a pleasure to be with you today on The Appleseed, and it's time for our second story. For that, we invite Ohio storyteller and musician Kim Whitecamp to the show with a story she learned on the road as a storyteller. She calls it Rolling Stone, and we recorded it live in The Appleseed studio. Here's Kim. Thank you. So my friend Andy says that we live a goodly life as storytellers, and it is so true because we get to travel, meet people, we're cared for, we're loved by people, and we get to hear stories. And one of my favorite things is to ask people, so what's your story? I do it all the time. So what's your story? And I don't even have to prompt them. They usually have some mile marker in their life that they start from automatically, some emotional dip that just has become their bookmark. Well, I was traveling through Tennessee and I met a really lovely young man. He was in his late 20s, almost 30. And we sat there talking music because he was an incredible musician. I met him at a songwriter's camp. And I asked him, so what's your story? Tell me your story. And he said, well, he said, uh, when I was a little boy, he said, my dad played violin. And he was incredible. He said, as a little kid, I even knew that he was insanely good. He said, I would sit at his feet in awe. He was my hero. And he would play every night when he got home from work. He'd pull off his tie, unbutton the top few buttons of his shirt, and then get out his violin and begin to play. And I loved him so much. And he made me fall in love with music. So I began to study music and practice music and enjoy music because I wanted to be like my dad. He said, then I got to be 10 through 12. And I started to ask questions like, so dad, you're so good. I hear people talk about how good you are. Why don't you go out and play? He said, no, nah. he said, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy here. And he'd wink at me and he'd continue to play. Then I became an older teen you know, that 15 kind of area. And I started to get irritated because I'd learned by then that my dad had actually turned down opportunities to play with bands that traveled all over the country and beyond. And I would say, dad, I don't get it. You know, why would you give that up? You know, you're stuck behind a desk working a nine to five job. I don't even understand it. It's like you're wasting your talent. And my dad would just smile and he'd play his violin. Well, then I got older, 17, and I began to feel really irritated with him. When he played the violin, it would, it would actually like grit at me and it would just irritate me and I'd get angry. And I started to lose respect for him. And I said things to myself like, well, he may throw away his dream, but I'm not throwing away mine. He may have given up what he wanted to do with his life, but I'm not. I'm never going to be like him working a nine to five. Well, an offer came. 
he told me, to travel with a very notable band, but he hadn't graduated yet. And his parents were really upset as he defied them, got an old pickup truck and said, I'm leaving and there's nothing you can do about it. I graduate in just a month or two. He said, I'm out of here. And he said, I remember seeing my mom with a worn out tissue in her hand and her head down as I pulled away. And my dad with his arms across his chest and his mouth set firm as he looked down at the ground, red faced. And I pulled away and thought, I am never looking back. I am not going to be like him. I'm going to go live my dream. And he said, I did. He said, I spent a couple years playing with that band and everything went well. I said, but what about your relationship with your mom and dad? He said, well, for those years, we barely talked. And when we did, it was just polite phone calls. He said, but all that's changed now. And I said, really? I said, why? He said, well, life changed for me. And I got some insight into my father. And now we're close. And he's forgiven me. And I understand him. And this is the song I wrote for that kid that explains the whole thing. He said Papa was a rolling stone But that's not the way the story goes Push being a star far out of sight Working hard to be home To tuck his son in each night Working the nine to five grind Keeping pictures of his wife and kid in his mind Don't you know sometimes his toe will go to tapping Asked if he had regrets, well, you know he would be lying as he holds his son's hand, he dreams of playing in a band, making music and traveling the road. But those dreams are for the young, his heart's rooted at home. You know there's always a melody left unsung. You know there's always a melody left unsung. Now his little boy thinks he's all grown up, Harsh words in a packed up pickup truck And as he pushes away he says Dad I was born to fly And he leaves with an old pawn shop guitar by his side Now that boy's become a man Spent a couple years playing in a rock and roll band And then life threw him a hard curve ride now he works to be home to tuck his son in each night. As he holds his son's hand, he dreams of playing in a band, making music and traveling the road. But those dreams are for the young, his heart's rooted at home. You know there's always a melody left unsung. As he holds his son's hand, he dreams of playing in a Making music and traveling the road oh, But those dreams are for the young His heart's rooted at home You know there's always a melody left unsung You know there's always a melody left
Kim Weidkamp with Rolling Stone. What are some of the moments in your life when a realization helped you see others or yourself in a new light? We want to thank Diane Ferlat and Kim Whitecamp for bringing their stories to us today. We hope they brought recollections to light for you and that you'll pass them along to the people you love. After all, sharing stories and listening to them can change your family's world. The Apple Seed is produced by Wendy Folsom, Sam Payne, and Brian Tanner. Our audio engineers are Ashton Parkinson and Carly Wilson. The rest of the Apple Seed team is Kelly Wehrmeister. Trent Horton, Evadane Hendricks, Miriam Isay, and Tristan Schetzel. A special thanks to the subscribers of our podcast who rate us or leave reviews. You help people find the show. We also love to receive emails at the Appleseed at BYU.edu. Your thoughts and comments help us to shape the future of the Appleseed. We're pleased and proud to be among the many podcasts produced by the BYU Radio family. And you can find episodes of the Appleseed wherever podcasts are found on the BYU Radio app, or at byuradio.org slash Appleseed. I'm Sam Payne, and the whole team can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed.